This episode, Easter feasting, what emerging from the tomb slowly looks like in our parishes. A bit more about the divine mercy. The Catholic Underground starts right now. Hey gang, you have hit the play button on the Catholic Underground, the podcast cutting through the noise and bring you the topics that matter. Alleluia, alleluia. It's episode number 444. Now there is a Jewish typological, numerological mm. number for you. Mm. Uh, if you're keeping score. I'm Father Chris Decker, a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And joining me, the Easter version of Kathleen Lee, which... I forgot my ears, my bunny ears. That's true. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we also have the Easter version of <laughs> Olivia Galino, now with extra jubilate. That's Deo. right. The Easter version of me is officially Kevin. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> That's right. Uh, as we come on the air, Olivia celebrated a birthday, and her birthday gift was a mug. From Kathleen. From Kathleen that uh, gives her true name, mm-hmm. Kevin. That's right. Yep. I have transformed into the butterfly that is Kevin. <laughs> her second her second baptism. She's name. trying Kevin. to own it. Uh, well, let's let's go up to the Jeff Star One <laughs> Near Earth Orbit Satellite, shall we, to our very own Jeff Blackwell, who uh, who sits atop the Earth and well, makes sure. You know, I'm going to say good morning because I'm on the other side of the planet. That's mm-hmm. true, yeah. He's, uh, he's past the dateline, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Um, which actually, you'll be past the dateline tomorrow because as we come on the air, Jeff's birthday is tomorrow. Yay! Yeah, that's happy right. birthday! Oh, thank you. And I think we can all say we're happy that Jeff gets another birthday on Earth. So. Absolutely, man. To that, very true. Yeah. And Ed, we don't know when his birthday is. It's been lost. We don't know anything centuries. about Ed. Yeah, we do know that Ed quite possibly is um, is Highlander's cousin. Mm. So while there can be only one Highlander, there can be as many cousins as you can shake that's a true. stick at, and they can be really old. So. Ed is switching the video. Or throw a ball at. Yeah. You like that? You like that one? I caught that pitch. Yeah. So, uh, again, the last time you saw us, if you've been listening or watching our program in in sequence, is uh, is we we were talking about the way of the cross and the stations of the cross during Lent. And so we thought we would spend a whole episode hanging out, talking about the Easter mysteries and what it means to, to transition from the... Lenten fasts, right? So when we're we're giving up for all the good reasons to the feasts of Easter. Yeah. In fact, I suppose the best place to start is talking about the Easter octave. Yeah. And most most Catholics, you know, um, because we we and this is this is no criticism, but many Catholics don't ever experience a true octave right. because I go to mass on Easter Sunday. You do, right? You do. Yeah. Good. Good. I go to mass on Easter Sunday. And then I'll see you again on the second Sunday of Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday. But in between that time of Easter Sunday and then the very next Sunday is what's called the Easter octave. Christmas has one too, by the way. And it is to celebrate one day for eight days. Yeah. This is actually, of course, uh, as as Olivia will tell you, reaching into our Jewish roots yes. about celebrating. Uh, you think about Hanukkah, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's one day that's celebrated over the course of, of eight nights. That's right. Well, and because, I mean, for several reasons, but I mean, eight is an eschatological number. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking a, about the numerology before and how yeah, numbers mean something. Numbers mean lots of things, but um, eight is a number of... Um, not just uh, like heaven, but also the end times. You know, mm-hmm. the eschaton is is the the, the coming end of, of all the, the new world, the world to come. Yeah. And so it's the the number one of the numbers that points towards the end times, the recreation of all things. Mm-hmm. And so the Easter octave, just like.
like the Christmas octave is like our invitation and our participation in like the party that's going on in heaven. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And so um, if we look at the mass, uh, as our Jewish brothers and sisters would have looked at things like Hanukkah and Passover, and even the Seder in a, in a very real way, huh? um, if we look at the Mass as not just simply something that is marking time here on earth, but an entering into a timeless event in heaven, then it makes sense that we would want to spend some time, using that word in air quotes, I guess, um, is we would want to spend some time with a mystery that's so big, like Easter, yeah. like the resurrection of the Lord. And so that's what the church does. So the octave season is exactly that. It's spending eight days celebrating one thing. Yeah. I think what's interesting is, is, you know, we've lost that as a people after Christmas, after Easter, that these dates mark the beginning of something. You know, yeah. when it comes to Christmas, Christmas, you know, day, night is over with, and we're like, all right, back to work tomorrow. And it's like, mm-hmm. what? Like, this is yeah. just, and then, you know, Easter is the same way. We celebrate on a Sunday and then maybe we have a few days off or maybe we don't, you know, and, and those, the, the in-between, mm-hmm. you know, the in-between our Sundays and our, our big, you know, obligatory feast has really been lost. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like when you, yeah. when you know about it, mm-hmm. that it gets really sad. Cause you're like, Oh man, like, yeah. cause you do, you go back to work the next day and you're like, well, my well, life is think, back to normal and it's not. That's one know? of the great dangers I think of living in a, um, a, a production based society, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where the temptation is I am what I produce, right? right? That's a, well, I dare say, Jeff, that is a neo-Marxist philosophy that has wormed its way into society. Is that I am, I am what I produce. I, mm-hmm. I am my work. And we know that that is not in keeping with human dignity. Right. And one of the ways that we feel that has slowly been leached out of us in our society is is the ability that we have to completely lose sense of liturgical time. Right. You know, yeah. you saw a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about sacred time. Just because you leave the church... Uh, indoors, not the church, but just mm-hmm. because you exit the church building, yeah. uh, liturgical time doesn't have to leave you, mm-hmm. you know? And so you can actually mark that liturgical time, even if you're not going to daily mass because you have to work or something like that. Um, even though you're not going to daily mass through the octave, uh, because, uh, spoiler alert, sometimes priests will take Easter week off, so maybe you won't have mass in your parish mm-hmm. unless you have a really, really benevolent assistant, you know? <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but even if you're not going to Mass, you can still have a way to mark the octave. And part of that is by the way that we feast. Right. You know? And I think that's part of it, too, is that we've lost a sense of, you know, we're I think we're very clear on that there are certain times in the church when I'm expected to fast. Mm-hmm. Right. And even that we're like we confuse fasting and abstinence. But that's a conversation for another time. That's right. But there's there's you know, we're very clear on like there are certain times when I ex- I'm expected to just give up stuff, just give yeah. up everything that makes me and happy. be measurable. Yes. <laughs> but we lose the fact that we're expected to feast like it's an expectation and even you know if you go so far as to say a command to feast you know i remember on the solemnity of saint joseph this year which fell on a friday one of several of my students actually and even some of other people's students like came and were asking like so what's the deal like it's a feast day but it's a friday Mm -hmm. so just what's what's up with that you know Mm -hmm. it's actually it's like 
eat meat, yeah, meat eat a Friday. candy bar, yeah. uh-huh. like go find some cake, you mm-hmm. know, like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, go overindulge yourself. Gluttony is okay today. But like, yeah. you know, find a way to feast because like God is happy. That's right. The you Lord know, we, is risen yeah. and, and we need to spend some time with that. You know, yeah. usually I find myself in the presence of Father Ryan Humphreys, our, our <laughs> Northern Louisiana Bureau Chief. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we usually find a way. Uh, almost always with homemade pizza. Almost yes. always. Because oh. that brother can make a dough, can I just say. <laughs> because yeah. God is Italian. Because God God is but, at least Roman Catholic. But it also it also points to the fact that, like, you know, we are, you know, you know, visible signs of an invisible reality. That's what the yeah. sacraments right. yep. are. We yep. are yep. body, soul, composite. Yeah. Like, when with our actions, and, you know, that's why we fast and that's Mm -hmm. why we abstain you know and then we feast because these things tell us you know the physical pain of of hunger or the the you know the want of something tells us about something that we can't see you know Mm -hmm. and we can't completely achieve in this life right yeah yeah and so that's why i you know i love i was talking to my students about you know about you know we are body soul composite and all that that means Mm -hmm. you know and i was like and it's such more, a cool thing like because yeah. we because in our society today we're like i can get whatever i want i can do whatever i want i can yeah. have whatever i want and i so, am the center yeah and so when we fast and feast you know it really it really if we do it well mm-hmm. you know um can be spiritually it, it is spiritually you know nourishing and and allows us to grow in our faith and it's that's yeah. phenomenal yep. mm-hmm. but we're that is so it's so foreign and alien that's right it's it's almost as if we when the time for feasting comes too, we don't want to give ourselves permission to do it yeah Mm -hmm. and and yet the lord says yes uh to to paraphrase the psalms drink choice drinks Mm -hmm. you know uh eat choice foods drink uh choice wines Mm -hmm. and and we really should rejoice i mean you think about the 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 prodigal son too Mm -hmm. whenever the prodigal goes through his desert and comes to himself and, re- and and finally says, I have to go back to my father because even if I'm a slave on his property, then I will at least be back with him. I yeah. cannot believe I did this. And our, our trip through Lent is essentially that. It's where we recognize our prodigalness, right? Mm-hmm. And so we then go back to the father um, through the son for, for at the Easter Triduum, right? And then we realize that, yes, we, we have come back to him. We have come back to him, and he wants us to have every choice thing. And so by going to, um, to have that, maybe that extra dessert, mm-hmm. or by, by having meat on Meat Friday, the Easter Octave, yeah, yeah. you're essentially saying, I am in some way with, with the, the created things around me, I am showing the bounty of the Lord that can really only be realized in heaven mm-hmm. yeah. and that, in that wedding feast. And that's okay, and that's a good thing for sure. So let's see. We got um, we got the, the the notion of of feasting temporally, but then Easter liturgies typically look a little bit different too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you notice, Jeff, whenever you went to mass during Lent, um, things typically kind of go down into a lower key, don't they? Mm-hmm. They, they, do. they typically get a lot simpler. Right. Um, the, it's interesting if you read the the documents. Um, I should say the general instruction of the Roman Missal, which says how the mass is to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. It makes it pretty clear that your the liturgical music is simplified, and the only time that you're using uh, like the organ uh, or, or musical instruments is just what's necessary to support the human voice. And so even the music is is uh, is typically a little bit more mournful, but is also very simplified. Mm-hmm. And then 
at the Easter Vigil, the priest intones the triple Alleluia, mm-hmm. um, which is getting a little bit more difficult every year. I don't know why. I need to do some some, <laughs> some vocal, vocal exercises. exercises to do it. I know someone it. who can help you with That's that. That's right. But uh, but the the triple Alleluia, which is one of my favorite Alleluias in the entire church year, mm-hmm. uh, and it makes it clear that the priest does it too. It says the priest, the cantor can, but the priest should intone the triple Alleluia. Mm-hmm. And from that moment, we don't stop singing. There, there is singing throughout the Easter season, and we should say that even though the octave is eight days, the celebration of the Easter season goes 50 days. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, so think 40 days in the desert and more because we have arrived. Yeah. Right? So oh, 50 yeah. itself is yet another oh, yeah. one, of those, uh, one of those numbers that yeah. we ought to pay attention mm-hmm. to. And if you even want to like extend it and make it more complicated, uh, like every week is... In a, in a small way, a, a kind of reiteration of the events of Holy Week. Yeah. And so uh, that's why we have the Sunday obligation, because every Sunday is the Feast of the Resurrection. Mm-hmm. And that's why we are obligated to mm-hmm. go and to celebrate with great joy right. the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead for yeah. our sins. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things that returns in the Mass is the, the proclamation of the Gloria, mm-hmm. right? The glory to God in the highest. It's a, it's a way that we once again rejoin ourselves because we, we, along with the Alleluia during Lent, we buried it. Yes. Right? We, we, we put it away, in fact, in the extraordinary form. And in some parishes, they'll actually take a, a physical, like visible copy plaque. of the Alleluia, yeah. a plaque of the Alleluia, and they'll either put it under the mensa, under the, the altar cloth, or they'll actually go and they'll bury it in the cemetery, the church cemetery, mm-hmm. or outside for the forty days of Lent, and uh, and then they'll they'll resurge it on Easter morning on sun, at the Easter yeah. vigil, and so we we switch from from burying all these things to kind of allow them, in a sense, to to die and to give us a sense of mournfulness, and then all of a sudden on, at the Easter vigil and throughout the Easter season, not only does the Alleluia come back, but also the Gloria, that great mm-hmm. song of the angels that freaked the shepherds out at first. Mm-hmm. And yet, uh, because it's the song of the angels worshiping God, it no longer freaks us out because mm-hmm. it's part of our song. It's one of the songs that we take up because the angels take it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and so I, uh, I'm always happy to be able to sing the Gloria during Easter again. You, know? mm-hmm. um, you also see other stuff like the sprinkling rite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes the sprinkling rite is, is something that, well, it's actually one of the priest's favorite parts when we get to, get do to whack people oh. in the face with I, holy water. I took my fiance who is not Catholic to, you know, I asked him, I said, would you like to come to Easter mass with me? Yeah. So was it I Easter said, vigil or Easter Sunday? It was Easter Sunday. Okay. I said, let's calm it. Because Easter let's, vigil would be definitely. I said, let's yeah. calm it down. Yeah. yeah. I said, let's but, wade before we swim. But I said, I am going to throw you somewhat in the deep end. I'll give you some floaties, but yeah. here we go. And, and it was great because, you know, it was, I mean, there were literal, all the songs are going on, the bells are going off, and he's just like, and I was like, this is a call. And Easter and Mass is supposed to be sensory yeah, overload. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no, one really of the things be. I said, you know, and I'm, as, you know, I'm giving a little play-by-play, and then I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot about the sprinkling. I said, okay, get ready, because you're about to get all kinds of wet. And he was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> and he did, and I was yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there you go, now we're holy. <laughs> So, so I can only sprin- imagine, like, if you don't know, yeah. if you don't have any context for what so, that means, and now yeah. you're gonna wet. get wet. Yeah. Excuse me. Right. And now I'm think yeah. Splash Mountain <laughs> in church, okay? Here we go. I said, just put your head down. <laughs> That's right, Adam, who is a liturgical musician on in the chat, mm-hmm. not your Adam, but mm-hmm. Adam in the chat room. He says, "Lent music, soft and supporting Easter, pull out all the big Easter hymns, Alleluia." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we do. And yeah. for fifty days, we. Pull 
pull out all the big stuff, you know? That's when you get to really see what the organ ranks can do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you should, for sure. And so de- definitely um, the, the sprinkling rite, to be able to enter into that moment where we renew our baptism, it's through our baptism that we are saved. And so the church doesn't say, well, your baptism was just an historical event that happened when it happened. Mm-hmm. But it's something that you continue to enter into every time you right. come into this womb of the church. Um, and that's that's it's very intentional to speak of the church as a place where we are born and reborn and reborn, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and we, we enter into that moment of our baptism. So the priest goes around with the aspergellum, mm-hmm. which is the... The, either the the branch if you've got one yeah. you know or it's a, a little kind of a metal rod with uh, a little, a little, a, little a little ball on the end of it and usually inside the ball is either nothing or a sponge yeah. mm-hmm. and so the priest then uh, sticks the the aspergellum into the aspersorium which mm-hmm. is the place where well the the aspergellum goes right and it has <laughs> the, the baptismal water in it and then from there, he then sprinkles the congregation and goes through the congregation and sprinkles it. And that's another thing, too, is if you remember at the Easter vigil, the priest says, I saw it. Well, the priest uh, goes out to renew the sprinkling rite. And uh, and the, the song that's traditionally sung is the psalm, I saw water flowing from the side of the temple. Mm-hmm. So we get this image of the water flowing from the side of Christ that's coming through the baptismal water in the church. Mm-hmm. And so the priest is sprinkling everyone as a reminder of the church still being here and still pouring forth that water from the side of Christ. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. Um, one of the other things that you said, well, I guess I should stop briefly and just, just remind everybody, in case you're wondering, that you're watching, you're listening to The Catholic Underground. It is indeed an Easter version of The Catholic Underground. I'm Father Chris, and joining me, of course, as always, Kathleen Lee, Olivia Galino, Jeff the Blackwell Blackwell. And, uh, and Ed, Ed's in the ball pit uh, running the video for us. And Jeff's recording the audio for us, too. So, so yeah. yeah. Fact, yeah. Um, did you remember to press the record button? I did this okay, time. That's right. yeah, yeah. Sometimes we have... Did you remember what happened last Sometimes time? we have those few moments where everybody goes... <laughs> right. At the end then, of the show, was I supposed to record that? No. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've done it before. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, you are listening to the Catholic Underground somehow, and uh, we're talking about the Easter mysteries mm. and and Easter and what that's like for us as Catholics. And maybe you're watching, maybe you're listening, and maybe uh, the the Catholic Church is something new to you, or maybe you're just wondering what those weirdo Catholics do. Because look, I'll be honest, we're weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. We we I would say Super that that weird. we invented it because yeah. you know if you know anything about Jesus, you know that. Everybody looked at him and goes, he's weird, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And so we were what? He was be. <laughs> exactly. And so we just continue that tradition yeah. of, uh, of being slightly, slightly strange in the eyes of the world. I love it. I mean, mm-hmm. me too. Because it's such like a, don't you Catholics do this? And I'm like, kind of. Yeah. Yes, we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why, you know, and That's it's, right. it's, it, it's a good conversation starter for sure. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I got well, to tell some of my students about the bone churches this week and I was oh, just yes. like, we're so metal. <laughs> That's right. We are like, That's oh, right. it makes me so proud, but also just like at the same time, like we need to, we need to put this in context. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 We really need to put this yeah. in context. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we understand and we've reverenced death, not because it's the end of a bad thing, yeah. but because it's the beginning of something good, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so indeed, and that's part of it. And that's why we spend so much time in Easter 
because that beginning of something good began with the empty tomb, begins with the Lord coming out of the tomb mm-hmm. and encountering those whom he loved. He, he encounters Mary Magdalene, who, who he really did love. In mm-hmm. fact, we, we, call, we have called her for centuries, and Pope Francis reaffirmed it, that she's the apostle to the apostles. Yes. She announces to the announcers mm-hmm. uh, what, what Jesus has done, that he has risen from the dead. And then we spend a great deal of time uh, with that resurrection account. Like This is now the third week that we're still on Easter morning readings mm-hmm. with, uh, with the apostles mm-hmm. and yeah. with the disciples. And, and that's certainly by design. In fact, even though the octave ends after eight days, the Easter season continues to just... My homily this morning, I talked about like going to a museum and seeing an exhibit and being able to walk all around the exhibit and to examine it from various angles and to be able to kind of put yourself, you know, where this particular thing was, if it's mm-hmm. a dinosaur, right? To think about mm-hmm. what it was like to, yeah. to be in the, the Paleolithic era. Yeah. If, it's a, if it's an H-boat at the World War II Museum, to think about what it was like to be uh, on this part of the boat as it's, as it's uh, coming up into Normandy, the shores of Normandy. And that's what we do with the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? All the gospel writers have a slightly different take, especially with the resurrection accounts. Mm-hmm. And we get to see it from all these different sides and yeah. angles. Yeah. And, and that really is one of the beautiful things about our liturgy is that we're, we're standing still but moving forward. We're able to be in a place for an extended period of time in our salvation history, but we are also a pilg- on pilgrimage. We're also mm-hmm. making our way towards eternity. And that's the beauty of the liturgy is you're standing still, but you're moving forward. Yeah. Actually, you're standing, you're standing still, but you're moving backward and you're moving forward. Yeah. You know, the altar is the original time Lord. Jesus is the original time Lord for those of you who are Doctor Who fans, right? Uh, because he is the Lord of time. When we enter into the liturgical moment of the mass, we move backwards and forwards in time with him in the liturgical action. And we enter into the timeless. Yeah. And so we can, we can kind of s- stand in a moment but then we're also moving forward as well because we are here on earth moving through a timeline. So if your mind hasn't broken at this point, yeah. um, other things that you might see during the Easter season very popular is to have First Holy Communions. Mm-hmm. Yes. So tied very much to the Easter mysteries is one of the first gifts that Jesus gives after his resurrection. So we know he does a couple of things, right? He gives the Sacrament of Reconciliation to the church, right? He, he goes to the apostles in the upper room, be not afraid, breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit who sins you forgive or forgiven, who sins you retain or retained. And that is specifically given to the apostles as they go out, they begin to now share Jesus's original mission to reconcile sinners to the Father. Yeah. And that continues today through our bishops and through the priests who share in their ministry. And then he also gives us kind of a, a deepening of the Eucharist. So obviously, on the night that he is betrayed, Jesus shares and transforms uh, what we believe to be the Passover meal into into this this deepening experience of the Passover, of its fulfillment by offering himself as the lamb of sacrifice, which is completed on the cross, but comes to us by way of him offering bread, saying, this is my body, Mm. offering the chalice of wine, saying, this is my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant. So the bread and the wine actually become by Jesus's action, his words, because he is God, the bread and the wine become his body and his blood. And so on the way to Emmaus, as he's walking with these disciples, he then stays with them Mm. and he breaks bread. Mm. He probably offers in the chalice, you know, 
and then he disappears. And in the moment that he disappears, they're left effectively with the Eucharist probably in their hands or on their tongues, and they recognize him. And they don't just recognize him now that he's gone, but they recognize what he has done for them. They Mm -hmm. recognize that he was made known in the breaking of the bread in the Eucharist. And so that's the first thing that they go and they run and back and then tell the apostles Mm -hmm. is we knew him and we knew him not when he was walking with it, but we knew him whenever he celebrated the Eucharist, that mass that he celebrated, we knew him. And so there's a very real Eucharistic connection this time of year. And so that is, that's one of my favorite, like, that is my favorite gospel. I love after the, you know, after the resurrection that Jesus is just like, so patient with people yeah. you know he's like and so excited I, he's like, yeah he's <laughs> yeah, like i yeah. rose from the dead and people are like oh, i got it thomas i got a touch i got it i mean yeah, i don't right. believe you know these guys are like have you not heard and jesus yeah. is like no tell me, tell me <laughs> what happened you yeah. know and he's just so like he's he the this, model of true yeah, accompaniment he did this yeah. incredible mm-hmm. thing and it was like you know the the apostles are are hiding and he's like come on you know like yeah, I, right. to me if it were mm-hmm. me i'd be like what are you doing? Yeah, you know, Why are you but he here? didn't. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he appears to them. Peace be with you. And he knows and, that they're afraid. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he, and it, it is. Is you know, when you're talking about going to the museums, I love going to, like, to old houses, like, mm-hmm. like old, you know, hundred, two hundred year old houses, and thinking about like what would, yeah, what, what happened did this here? look like? Mm-hmm. You know, idea. And and it is like you put. We have that gift to be able to put ourselves, and especially me. Like I recognize one. You know, over the years going through this, this, you know, um, these readings, this is where our church comes from. Yeah. Like this is where what we do at the mass, like people didn't just make this up a hundred years ago and say, mm-hmm. I know we'll say this. Like mm-hmm. the, this is scripture. This you know? came from actual lived experience. Yeah. Like St. John said, what we've seen with our eyes, yeah. what we've touched. And when you're not a priest and you're not somebody who's, who studies the theology, mm-hmm. it's like, what (laughs) you're here and you're like wait a minute we say that every sunday you know Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah yeah Mm -hmm. you know but also to be put in the in the you know my favorite part of this season is to be put right where the apostles are yeah and to be like man um i'm terrible i know what i should be doing as Mm -hmm. a minister of the church as somebody you know who does what i do i know what i should be doing i it says it in the book you know go out and preach the good news and i'm like but i'm scared and I don't know what's happening. And Jesus appears and it says, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. get on. Come on. Yeah, peace Come be on, with Kathleen. you. And by you know? the way, Jesus opens our minds to understand the scriptures. Right. Just mm-hmm. as he did the apostles on Easter Sunday, he does the same thing for us whenever we're baptized and confirmed, right? Because yeah. the, those spirits of the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and of right judgment, that all comes to us by means of the sacraments of the church. And so the Lord is, through the ministry of the church, opening our minds. Mm -hmm. And if we feel like, eh, I'm Catholic, I don't understand all this stuff, well, we have the ability to do it. We do, but not in our own power. So when you open your scriptures, or whenever you go to the Mass, say, Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. open my mind to understand. And I guarantee you that the Spirit will. The Spirit is willing and waiting for that, just as Jesus knew the apostles were willing and waiting for it as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll continue talking a little bit more about uh, the Easter mysteries, but also about that interesting second Sunday of Easter. There's more on the Divine Mercy coming up on the Catholic Underground.
Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. As you listen to the Easter Farfisa, it's a gentle reminder that we are the Catholic Underground. And I'm Father Chris Decker, joined by the Easter Kathleen. Yep. <laughs> Olivia Galino, now with Paschal Action. And uh, Jeff Blackwell, who pretty much is an Easter person. Absolutely, year-round. We are an Easter people. And Alleluia is our song. Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that Farfisa was a, is a fine Italian name too. I'm just throwing that there. It's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, you need an, uh, if you need an Italian last name for your your novel you're writing, Farfisa would be a good one. There you go. <laughs> I was thinking first name, little baby Farfisa. Yeah. Kathleen, write Aww. that one down. I'll That's write right. It down. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Save that one. I'll put it on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been spending a lot of time talking about about the Easter season because, well, I mean, in the church we spend at least eight days and then fifty days talking about Easter all the way up to Pentecost. In fact, did you know that it, it was a venerable practice, and in some churches they still do it, where the Easter candle is lit at the Easter vigil from the, Easter, the new Easter fire, and the Easter candle remains burning hmm. 50 days. Oh. And it, it isn't extinguished until it is brought from the church uh, after vigil, after uh, Vespers, essentially, after Pentecost evening, when the Easter season is over. Uh-huh. And then the only other times that you light the Easter candle, of course, are for, for baptisms and funerals. Um, but, uh, but yeah, typically the Easter candle was meant to be burning through the entire Easter season. Some yeah. monasteries still do that. Yeah. I know at least one priest who still, he always gets the really tall candle. I was going to say, it has to be a massive candle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, and so you just leave it burning cool. in the church. And so as long as your fire marshal is okay with it, I guess. Um, yeah, you know. I mean, they, they some parishes leave candles burning. Yet another reason little, to build good, big, giant churches, yeah. you know, you can do that. Lots yeah. of ventilation. Yeah, my, my particular parish church, we had candles, you know, just burning for the 9 and the 11 a.m. mass, but because our, our weather has been so kind of weird here in Louisiana mm-hmm. and rather humid, mm-hmm. uh, just the smoke from the smokeless candle... <laughs> from oh. the smoke from the Paschal candle yeah. uh, hung in the air. And so as I was elevating the Blessed Sacrament today, there were these billows of smoke. And it was I, I don't oh. have any altar service at the moment, mm-hmm. so I, I didn't use incense. Yeah. But as, as I'm elevating, I'm like, is there incense somewhere? Are we okay? Lord, is it you? Yeah, because I could see like yeah. billowing smoke, like heavenly yeah. plumes of smoke. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Taylor wants to know, how is there a candle left to burn at the end of 50 days? Well, the secret is you get a tall enough candle. Right. Yeah, have you seen? Good night. I I, rec- I realized that at, at Easter. I don't know why I didn't think about this, but when you see a, a new Easter candle. Like a candle, brand new, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy. I mean, you can get them short and squat. My, my deacons, well, I don't have any deacons at the moment, but but deacons typically like them short and squat because they have to carry heavy. them. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they're heavy. They're made of beeswax. Okay. So yeah. yeah, I was yeah. impressed. I mean, I think it was mm-hmm. as big as I am. I love a tall candle. Boy, oh boy. Mm-hmm. I do. 
I think all deacons should do like a Lenten like CrossFit Lenten, situation. Lenten yeah. yeah, Lenten Ooh. lifting, like prepare for the Paschal Paschal candle and like, yeah. the, you know. Don't tell some of our transitional deacons that they'll do it because you know most of our seminaries have gym equipment now. That's so, true. Yeah, there can be that. There can be the you know the water the aspergillum with both arms because you got to right. get even. That's true. Got to get even. <laughs> I love. It. I see what's happening. It's like a Highland Games. I mean, if they're gonna oh, do it anyway, might as well give them like a pious reason. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of piety and popular piety, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that we absolutely love and I am amazed by in the church is that whenever there is a time where where the age is tending towards darkness, which mm-hmm. admittedly is just about every human age, right? Every age of man. Yep. Um, Tolkien would tell you this. It, it tends towards darkness because left to our own devices, we will always seek the darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Because we prefer... Uh, to paraphrase John's first chapter, the people prefer, no, third chapter, right? No, first, John, yeah, chapter one. People prefer the darkness to the light, mm-hmm. you know? And and the reason for that, of course, is our own concupiscence. Mm-hmm. But in every age where the darkness threatens to overtake, there's almost always an experience of Our Lady, of the mm-hmm. Blessed Mother appearing, uh, or of Our Lord appearing, and not revealing something new, but going deeper into the mystery of himself, mm-hmm. right? And that's really what Our Lady does too, is she invites us into the deeper mysteries of her son. And so in, uh, in the 1930s, um, in, in, in 1938, um, a, a, a nun in, uh, in Poland, uh, St. Faustina, or Sister Faustina, mm-hmm. she was an uneducated young lady who entered into religious life. She entered into the Sisters of Mercy, um, she began to write a diary uh, around 1938, a little after 1938, because Jesus appeared to her. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of appearing to her, um, he asked her, first of all, for, for an image to be, to be made. That was really the first thing that he asked of her, is that I want an image made uh, of me so that it can be disseminated to, to the rest of the world. And of course, again, you're thinking this little Polish nun, yeah. 1938. So this is on the cusp of the Second World War, right? Mm-hmm. As, as things, as the as the battle lines are being drawn, as the drums of war are beginning to sound, Our Lady appears to this Polish nun. Now, remember, Poland would be overrun mm-hmm. by Germany. Poland would effectively be erased from the map again. Mm-hmm. And it's to this little to this little nun yeah. that uh, that Our Lord appears, and the particular image that He wants made is what he would call uh, his divine mercy. He wants to renew the understanding of his divine mercy. And so you remember the traditional uh, definition of mercy is to to kind of overreach in charity, Mm -hmm. right? To reach down into somebody's life and to be charitable to them, to will their good, especially if they have no ability to repay you. Yeah. That's really mercy. Mercy isn't just isn't just love. Mercy is loving till it hurts and beyond that hurt, right? Mm, And so Jesus, when he appears to Faustina, he says, I want you to make an image so that so that men can understand my divine mercy, the mercy of God. And in the Old Testament, you know, God talks a lot about being merciful. Mm -hmm. We we forget that. Oftentimes I think, it's a yes. bad rap in the Old Testament, I have right? So many thoughts on that, but yeah, yeah, I think it's mostly just because people don't read the Old Testament anymore. Yeah, well, what what do they often think of in the Old Testament? They well, they think of, of like, you know, the wars and like doom and gloom and like mm-hmm. go wipe out this people and things like that. But they they forget that the 
that the entire Old Testament is situated in the entire, I mean, all of the scriptures, but especially the Old Testament is situated around the covenant yeah. mm-hmm. and the fact that God is drawing his people nearer and nearer to himself, not just for them, but for the sake of the entire world again and again. Right. And the more they mess up and they do it constantly, mm-hmm. but the more they mess up, the closer he draws them to himself yeah. to the point where he says, I'm going to inscribe my law upon your heart because that's how near I want to be to you. Yeah, you can't get any closer yeah. than the seat of judgment yeah. of a person. Well, yeah, and the mercy is that he is was always faithful to his covenant. You know, we talked about yeah. that, you know, about the difference between a covenant and a contract, mm-hmm. you know, with mm-hmm. some of my students. Just like, you know, in a contract, you don't hold up your end of the bargain. Well, then I don't have to hold up mine. Yeah, yeah. and a contract's an exchange of goods, usually. Right. And, the, mm-hmm. and in the covenant, right, we as human beings, the mercy lies in and of itself that um, that Christ, like that that God continues to yeah. to love us and to draw us closer, like yeah. and continues to like there is no I'm gonna I'm gonna you know walk away from this covenant yeah you know because he he can't you know yeah. but human beings do it over and over again and that's the mercy in and of itself is yeah. that you know that Christ continually is faithful yeah. to that to that covenant of of love and mercy. Yeah. Well, and I love too that like, so the more that, that God is merciful, especially in the old Testament, like the more that God is merciful, like the more that they don't understand and they're like, we want a King. Yeah. We like, they ask for things that aren't God and God tries to like, you know, explain it to them. Like, you know, well, so, okay. So what's really going to happen is this. And they're like, but we want a King. It's going to be better that way. And he's like, all right, well, I'm trying to explain it to you, you know, but he never, like you were saying, like he never abandons them. And like, I love like the details that we Mm -hmm. get with the covenants because the, like the, the covenant mediators, Abraham, Moses, David, they're never like completely prepared. They're never completely ready. Like Abraham, when he enters into the covenant, he says it, it, the Hebrew there is like he's in deep psychological turmoil. He's not ready, yeah. right? But God says okay anyway, right? Right? And God still, like you were saying, like allows the covenant to happen not just like on Abraham's part. Like the covenant promises don't just apply to Abraham. Yeah. God passes through all these divided animals and says, like, if I break the covenant, let me be like all these divided up animals. Like yeah. let me be split in two. Yeah. So like God pours out his faithfulness and so like father chris was saying like that's that's what mercy is yeah and that's the message that's been you know we're looking at at this going all the way back to you know to the to the old testament now this is happening in in what we call modern church right in the the 1930s and the lord is like hey by the way right i still want want this message of mercy like that i'm going to be faithful to this covenant now yeah. in 1930, you know, four million years from now, you know, f- four million years before. This is, you know, this is the, you know, this is my message. And so this, this uh, image that we are familiar with, right, yeah. um, is, is super popular. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Jesus, mm-hmm. right, with, with, um, there are t- two rays coming from him. Yeah. Right. The red and the white. And it's very, um, uh, you know, you, you might you might have seen it and never yeah. like, like, like I don't know what that known is. that it was the divine mercy image yeah. like, and it's supposed to be reminiscent of 
so like the crucifix with like the wound from the side of christ from which flows like the church and then the blood and water right and then that blood and water is the church um but then also excuse me um like from the side of christ is born um like like okay so like from the side of christ is born from the side of christ is born you distracted me from the side of christ is born the church um but in in mercy that church is born like and when you even think about what is happening on the cross right it's an abundance of mercy that christ even goes to the cross in the first place i forget if it was fulton sheen or someone else but it might have been like john below second anyway sorry it doesn't matter um it does. I just can't remember. Someone was saying that um, when you think about it, like it's the blood of Christ that saves. Mm-hmm. So any drop of mm-hmm. the incarnate Son of God's blood yeah. would have saved us. Yep. So at eight days old, mm-hmm. when Jesus is being circumcised, mm-hmm. when he's presented in the temple, that would have been enough. That is enough, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Dainu, the the song of Passover from the Haggadah that has been sung since time immemorial he's the lamb right Mm -hmm. if he's shedding any amount of blood that's enough and it is yeah right but it's not here's the thing it's not enough for him Mm -hmm. right and i think that's god gives to overflow yeah and that's Mm -hmm. that's the point of divine mercy and i think that's why he appears to saint faustina sister faustina at the time with this message of divine mercy like they don't get it mm-hmm. right they yeah. don't get that it wasn't enough mm-hmm. right it's not enough that i i came for one soul for two souls it's not enough mm-hmm. that i came just to to you know kind of wrap up human history it's not enough that i came just to you know to to save humanity from you know this in this one time period no i came for everyone i came for all people i came yep. to pour out my mercy and i came for for, for the redemption of all mankind, period, yeah. end of story. Yeah. And again, at, at odds with the popular or populist notion of the Old Testament, God doesn't want any of us to be separated from him. Yeah. Yeah. God wants zero of us to go to hell. Yeah. Right. That's not how we were created. It's not our original yeah. destiny. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. how the plan is supposed to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus appears to Faustina, and, and says, now I desire a new outpouring of my divine mercy so that it might truly be re-inscribed in the hearts of, of men and women. Mm-hmm. It's because he's trying to renew in our own age, an age where fascism, where socialism, where Marxism, where all of these isms, think about the isms in our 21st century because we are not immune from them, yeah. my friends, um, where all these isms seek to either be our God or to be at least an idol that's dragging us down to hell. Yeah. And he says, no, no, the answer is in my divine mercy. It's in returning to me, and I'm ready, and I'm waiting. Yeah. And what a beautiful signature at the bottom of that image is a prayer that's often, I think, mm-hmm. very difficult, um, at least in my own life, is Jesus, I trust in you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, and I, I may have mentioned this before, talked about this, but you know, I fall prey to the comma but, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, my my mercy is everlasting, comma, but for Kathleen. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love everyone. I don't want anyone to go to, to hell, comma, but Kathleen, if you screw up, you're really going to hell, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and so the idea that in the midst of all the craziness and the midst of all the isms, and, you know, in the midst of, of where we are not shown mercy, yeah. good night. Like, you know, I, we're, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. I was like, can, 
we don't know what it is to show mercy to someone. We, you know, mm. we will cancel you faster than you can right. finish your sentence. Yep. You know, we don't know it. And so, yeah. so for, for the God of the universe to say, I'm going to be faithful to my covenant, to you, Kathleen, yeah. period. That prayer to come back and say, Jesus, I trust in you yeah. is oftentimes very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially again, if you think about, about the, the great, anti-message of the mm-hmm. second world war the anti-message of all of these isms it's it's emptying people of their meaning yeah. that's really what what all these isms are for right or about emptying people of their true dignity as as mm-hmm. sons and daughters of god as those who are created for so much more than just this world has to offer yeah. and and the more and more we we, we believe in that quote-unquote mm-hmm. false gospel i mean it is a false gospel yeah. the more we believe in that the more we don't think that we have any capacity for receiving God anymore. Yeah. And and it's whenever hearts have turned cold, as I said at the beginning of the segment, that our Lord appears and says, no, 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 my heart is just as warm for you as it was when mm-hmm. I created you. And that, that's the message of divine mercy. Yeah. So on the on the Divine Mercy website, which is uh, very easy to get to, I believe it's thedivinemercy.org, um, they they mention the basics of the devotion mm-hmm. or the ABCs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so A number one, ask for His mercy. God wants us to approach Him in prayer constantly, and the way that we approach God and ask for His mercy is by repenting of our sins. That's how any any Catholic, any Christian, any person who is aspiring to God, that's the first step is to realize that that we are sinners. And that God wishes to have mercy upon us. He wants to have mercy on us. And so to be able to first, A, ask for his mercy, repent of our sins, and ask God to pour out his mercy on us in the whole world. And so, I mean, if you think about it, that's really the first bit of the sinner's prayer. For, so for maybe those of you who are, who are not Catholic, those of you who are members of Christian denominations and ecclesial communities, that's really the first bit. In order to, to begin to live life anew, is you have to admit, I'm a sinner in, in the, the presence of, of Almighty God, and, and I don't deserve this, Lord, but I, I beg for your mercy. He's willing to give it. Mm-hmm. A, ask for his mercy. B, be merciful. God wants us to receive his mercy, but he also wants us to be um, instruments. He wants us to be, to be modes by which other people uh, can receive his mercy. Yeah. We forget that, that we actually can be a pipeline for others. You know, I mean, think of, that's what a priest is. A priest is is a holy tool. Please, God, mm. please let him be holy. <laughs> you know, but but I'm I'm called to be an instrument. I'm called to be like a, a nice little smooth PVC pipe for the graces of God to flow mm-hmm. to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we're called to be for others. We're supposed to be so transparently Christian mm-hmm. that when a person looks at us, they see the presence of God's mercy. Yeah, you know, and whether you're a, a barista at a at a coffee shop or whether you're working at a petroleum plant mm-hmm. or at a gas station or as a librarian or a teacher or a parent, you're supposed to be so transparent that when somebody looks at you, they see in some way an image of the face of God. They see the Veronica. They see the, mm-hmm. the, an image of the true image that is Jesus Christ. And so God wants us to extend our love and our forgiveness to others 
because he chooses to do that to us, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then, so ask for his mercy, A. B, be merciful. And C, completely trust in Jesus, right? Yeah. This is this is the Kathleen mm-hmm. problem, right? Yeah. And it's, it's all of our problems. It's, a, to, it's not just problem. Kathleen's problem. That's right. It, well, it's it's to truly believe yeah, the right. Our Father when we pray it, yeah. right? Uh, pray the, uh, here's your homework. Pray the Our Father slowly today. Mm-hmm. You know, and to say, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I'm asking for, for you to just completely take control of my heart and my life and yeah. to inform my choices, inform my family, inform even my turning of the key in my car in the morning before mm-hmm. I pull out of my driveway yeah. to completely trust in Jesus. He wants us to know that all of the graces of his mercy can only be received in trust. And it's not that God doesn't want to give us the, grace, the graces that we need if we don't trust him, but we block them out if we don't trust him. Yeah. The more we open the door of our hearts, remember, you've probably seen that image of Jesus knocking on the door. Well, there's no doorknob on the outside mm-hmm. of that door mm-hmm. because Jesus is ever the gentleman. He wants to be invited mm-hmm. in so that he can unfold his yeah. mercy to us. Yeah. You know, that's what the, and, and the thing about it is he meets us more than halfway, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, oh, prodigal, yeah. the prodigal son's father is scanning for him. Yeah. He's not just simply waiting at the door on the inside of his house right. for a knock. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the same way with us. The more we open the door of our hearts, the more we can receive him, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he wants that in us. Yeah, and, it's, and it says that, the, my favorite part of that, it says the father, while he was still a long way off, yep. ran yeah. to him. Yep. He didn't turn off the lights and be like, shh, I'll be quiet. That's yeah, right. It'll be a surprise away, party. Right? Yeah. Or like, you know, sit on the, the deck and went, well, what do you have to say for yourself? He saw him and he ran. And yeah. so when mm-hmm. we open that door, Right. Yep. When we open that door, the Lord mm-hmm. is going to is going to come in right? mm-hmm. and, 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 and move and do great things. Yep. So the forms of the devotion, uh, as you probably talked a little bit about, uh, are, of course, the image of the divine mercy, mm-hmm. um, which which Kathleen and Olivia described very well. Um, and then, of course, all the little bits that that image represents in mm-hmm. terms yeah. of the life of the church. But then there's also the Feast of the Divine Mercy, which is the second Sunday of of uh, of Easter. Thanks to Pope St. John Paul II, who said, mm-hmm. we're putting it on the calendar, folks. I love him. Yep. Yeah. And, and then there's very famously the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, mm-hmm. which is said using a, a standard issue rosary. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the Chaplet, again, cries out for God's mercy to pour out his mercy on us and on the whole world. And again, that one drop of Jesus's blood would have been enough, but he gave it all. Mm-hmm. It all flowed yeah. from his side. And so we remember that when we pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And then there's the Novena, the Novena to Divine, to Divine Mercy. And then one of the, the most kind of beautiful things that you can do is to pray at three o'clock in the afternoon every day, the hour of great mercy. That was the hour that he expired, that he gave his last breath for us. Yeah. And so you can do that. Jesus said to Faustina, my heart overflows with great mercy for souls, especially for poor sinners. It is for them that the blood and water flowed from my heart as from a fount overflowing with mercy. For them, I dwell in the tabernacle as king of mercy. Mm. So don't be afraid to ABC. Ask for his mercy. Be merciful and completely trust in Jesus. Yes, because indeed. then you will be an Easter person. And Alleluia will be your song. Mm-hmm. Even secretly in Lent. Yep. You know? Yes, indeed. Alrighty, with the few remaining moments that we have, uh, we figured it's a good time for that part of the show that we even in Easter call... The CU Pick of the Week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so for our pick of the week, uh, 
Kathleen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back on top, baby. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Well, I'm, for my, one of my classes, I've been reading uh, this book by Cardinal Seurat. Like, mm-hmm. I always want to say love Sarah because I love it so much. It looks like Sarah. But I am an American. I should say it properly. It's Cardinal Seurat. It's called The Day Is Now Far Spent. Oh, now, yes. if you are looking for someone to get into the infected wounds mm. of the church and mm. dig it out so that wow. we can heal it, the good mm. night. This man, his last book was called The Power of Silence. Yeah. Yeah. He opens this book by saying, like, you know, in my last book I talked about silence. I can no longer be silent. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so he talks a lot about, you know, the stuff. He talks a lot about just the mess, right? And so mm-hmm. he talks a lot to the priests and to our bishops, right? Yeah. In a, such a loving way. It's not like you guys are horrible, mm-hmm. get your act together. But like, I'm like, the, the language that he uses is so fatherly yeah. in a sense that says, we are not, we are not doing well. Mm-hmm. And we need to acknowledge that. Like one of the, one of these quotes, I mean, I highlighted the whole thing, <laughs> but one of the things he says, how can the faithful be fed if they hear only a brief 10 minute sermon each week? Mm-hmm. It is a lie to pretend that after 10 minutes, people no longer listen. Mm-hmm. If their attention span is so short, how do they manage to spend hours in front of the television? <laughs> Zinger, I mean, like, and every time I turn around, I'm like, oh, dang, it is so good. If you are um, somebody who works for the church, if you are somebody who is is just at the end of the day going, man, my church is just, we, what is going on? bleeding from many wounds, as Pope I think that every, I think every bishop, every priest, every deacon, every seminarian, every lay minister in the church, every teacher Mm -hmm. should read this book. It is incredible. The day is now far spent. Yeah, which of course is a a paraphrase of the scriptures, right? We are farther along than when we first accepted the faith. Yeah. The day is now far spent. So let's do something. Let's Let's wake up. The hour of the Lord's coming. Yeah. Um, Olivia, your pick of the week. Well, it's very very temporal. It's timely. Yes, but my pick of the week is to never have to pick, to follow Kathleen's pick of the week. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, okay, so my pick of the week is very practical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I am in the market for a new vehicle and I am my father's child. So (laughs) my pick of the week is the consumer reports auto issue. Okay. Yeah. If you are someone who likes to do your research before you invest in something that is a hefty investment, Mm -hmm. then I highly recommend it. You do have to like physically buy the magazine. So it's like the one time you got to go to a bookstore and like buy the actual magazine, but it only costs like $8. Um, but well, because I don't have a a subscription to consumer reports. So if you do mazel, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's well worth it because they do a comparison of new, like new cars um, and all the new models that are coming out. But for me, I'm looking at all like the used cars. It'll tell you like what's great about these particular used cars in these different classes of mm-hmm. you know SUV versus car versus whatever. And then the last, I think six, no, seven or eight years of each model. And it'll tell you every single detail about like the brakes, the major transmission problems, the minor transmission, and it'll rate everything. So you know exactly like what you're getting when you invest in that car. Love it. Excellent. I love it. My pick of the week is actually something that I ordered on April 1st of 2021 which is uh, this year was the 99th anniversary of the death of uh, Emperor Karl um, uh, Habsburg of, of oh, Austria, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so Karl, he's now blessed Karl of Austria. 
he was the emperor of Austria uh, at the time that that it was dissolved mm-hmm. after um, that, that, that the empire that he was exiled right mm-hmm. so so he and the Empress Zita uh, and their family were exiled and so this tells the story of effectively the day that they were exiled from from Austria mm-hmm. when when the empire the Holy Roman Empire was was effectively ended. Mm-hmm. And um, he's, he's blessed Karl of Austria because of the holy manner in which he lived his life, and I dare say the holy manner in which he died. Mm-hmm. And so um, this little booklet, which let me tell you, the, the, um, the, the uh, what's it called here, the, the Emperor Karl League of Prayer, which is uh, the, the United States for uh, folks have a, there's a delegation here in the United States, very, very kind. She said, Father, it's a particular joy to send you the death of an emperor today on the 99th anniversary of his death. May he be an inspiring patron for you, and may you personally experience his powerful, loving intercession. Let me tell you, uh, Suzanne, of the Emperor Carl League of Prayer, I found a new intercessor. Mm-hmm. Uh, b- just a beautiful, beautiful life and a, and a heroic witness to death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to learn more about it, uh, very, very easy to, to get uh, more information. We'll put it in the show notes for sure. EmperorCharles.org uh, is where you can order this little booklet for sure. And nice. to, to invite um, Blessed Carl to, to pray for you. Uh, as well. So that's my pick of the week. You know, as always, Catholic Underground is made possible by viewers, by listeners, by prayer warriors, and also by benefactors like you. If you want to Mm -hmm. become an official undergrounder, Jeff, all they got to do is a simple thing. Yeah. Go to catholicundergroundcom slash donate. Mm -hmm. Just that simple. And of course, everybody has got some sort of podcatcher that they like to listen to our podcast. And oftentimes those have the ability to, to leave a review. So we want them to do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Write something nice. Give us a lot of stars and mm-hmm. thumbs ups and what have you. That's right. A lot of these things are removing their their likability features, so you can just give stars, you know. But do that, please do that, and let others know that uh, that what we're doing is helpful for you and might be helpful for them as well. Alrighty, uh, our panelists this week have been Kathleen Lee at klee626 on Instagram. There I am. There she is. <laughs> Olivia Galino is the dot real dot omg on Instagram and on Twitter. She's especially active on Twitter these days. Yeah. yeah. But if you want to see the work that she's doing in the kitchen, Ooh. then uh, you'll want to follow her as well. Oh, yeah, yeah I do she's doing some things. fantastic mm-hmm. bakes there. Jeff Blackwell may not be baking, but he is our technical director. He's at Jeff Blackwell us. On Twitter. It's a privilege, Father. Yes, indeed. Albert uh, Dupont. I don't know. He's listed here, so I just said his name. Yeah. We love he's, him. Uh, he's watching in the chat room. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Albert, for being in the clutch when we need you. Jim Hayes is our research assistant with his crew in the lab. Ed Ball is running the video this go. week. And you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker at Digital Catholic on Twitter and on the Instagram. You've been listening to the Catholic Underground, cutting through the noise so you can find that still small voice We'll see you next time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From the Catholic.